0: Church, good morning. We sang, we sang a lot about Jesus already. Y'all cool if we talk about him a little bit more? Y'all cool with that? All right, it's gonna be really awkward if you said no, because I was gonna have to do it anyway. But I'm super excited this morning to continue in our series looking at the person of Jesus. We're calling it The Way. And so we're looking at who Jesus is and what he's done through the, the gospel of John, Jesus's words himself in John 14:6, where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so last week, Rick kicked things off for us by talking about Jesus as the way. And I'm gonna continue this week by looking at what it means that Jesus is the truth. But before I do, I I wanna spend a few moments talking about my wife. I love her a lot, but I want to talk about her this morning. Lauren and I, my wife, Lauren and I, we have been married for four years. We celebrated our four-year anniversary last month. And, and so we, we are enjoying our time of marriage right now. And if you have spent any amount of time with us, or if you've just seen us together, you can tell right off the bat that there are many, many, many differences between both of us. Just looks alone, like by looking at her and how beautiful she is, and then looking at me, you're just like, but how though? Like, how did this happen? Like, is he pain? I don't know, like, I don't know how it happened. But personality wise, we're very different, but we fill each other up really well. It just works. We're very different people, but it works. But one of the things that we have in common is that we misplace things all the time. How many of you out there, you misplace stuff all the time? Amen. I'm glad I'm glad there's some other people out there with me. But what I mean, like, not just misplacing stuff sometimes. I mean all of the time. Like, for, for instance, this week, it happens almost every week. I'll lose my keys. I'm looking for 30 minutes through the house. There's couch cushions everywhere. I'm coming to the realization, like, hey, today's the day I'm gonna have to walk to work. It's gonna be terrible, but I'm gonna have to do it because I don't have keys anymore, right? And then Lauren will come in literally looks for 30 seconds. I've been looking for 30 minutes. She looks for 30 seconds and finds them. She's like, how'd you miss that? What's wrong with you? And then for Lauren, like Lauren always misplaces her phone, no matter what, she always loses it. And the thing is, she got an Apple watch. I don't know how many of you have Apple watches, but we thought, hey, maybe that will solve you misplacing stuff so she can ding it. She does it. And literally the phone might be two feet away from her. It's like, right, she could have just looked. I'm like, how did you miss that? And one of the worst ones happened about a month ago. So I went outside, I went to cut the grass and usually I put AirPods in and have, have my iPhone. I'm listening to music while I cut grass and I put my AirPods in and they're dead. I'm like, dang it, I'm gonna have to charge them. So I charge them, come outside and I'm like, man, why well, I still have my phone in my pocket, So I'm just going to, I'm just going to set it on the back of my car. I'm going to wait like an hour and then I'll put them in and I'll be able to cut the grass. Well, I'm an hour into cutting grass and something inside of me just told me, Hey, Jordan, check your phone, man. I think there's something you want to check. And so I go to the garage and my car is gone. Like, Gone. It's not there. So I started freaking out. I'm like, okay, Lauren did say she was going to get dinner at Zaxby's. So maybe, hey, maybe she noticed it was on the back. Don't freak out, Jordan. Maybe she noticed it was on the back and she just set it to the side. So I look all throughout the garage, wasn't there. Started looking throughout the house, wasn't there. I'm like, oh man, this is bad. Because also I have a wallet on the back of my phone. So that's all of my cards, everything, driver's license, everything. So I'm trying not to freak out. So I'm like, okay. She pulled off. Maybe it's in the driveway. It's not in the driveway. Maybe it's around the corner, like the stop sign that's right by her house. Maybe it's there. It's not there. So I start freaking out. So I pull out my laptop and I'm able to call her from my MacBook and I'm calling her. I'm like, Lauren, do you have my phone? She's like, no, I don't have your fa- How are you even calling me if you don't have your phone? I'm calling you from my MacBook. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that my phone was on the back of the car when you left. And she's like, well, just hold on. I'm about to pull into Zaxby's. I was about to go through the drive-thru. Let me pull in and let me see if it's there. And it was there. She drove, listen to this. She drove Highway 1 through downtown Aiken onto Whiskey Road. And my phone stayed on there the entire time. I don't know if that's a testament to Lauren just being a really slow driver or if she is a very safe driver, I don't know. But it was insane to think about the fact, how did I do that? How did I miss that? How did Lauren miss that? But how did every single person that drove by her miss that? How's no one like at the stoplight like, hey girl, you, you you got a phone on the back of your car. You probably should get that off. That's not where it's supposed to be, right? But no one caught on to it. And the reason why I bring this up is because the story we're gonna look at in Luke 24 this morning, we come across two guys who it's three days after Jesus died. So it's the day of his resurrection. And these two disciples of Jesus are walking, across, are walking along this road by themselves and they have an encounter with Jesus. Jesus Christ, the son of God is like looking at them face to face and they miss it. And it's gonna be really easy. I remember when I first read this story and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's gonna be so easy for us to read this and be like, how did they miss it? Like, how are these guys that big of idiots that they have Jesus right in front of their face and they missed it? But I want us to be careful because I, I really do think that if someone on the outside of the church were to look on the inside of the church, and I don't mean just Cedar Creek, I mean the church at large, church all over, if they were to look from the outside in on the church today, I think they would ask a similar question. I think they would ask the question of how are they missing it? Because what I mean is that the the church is filled with many people who claim to be Christians, yet we have missed completely what it means to be a Christian. We've made it about so many different things. We've made it about carrying on what our parents or grandparents did before us. We've made it about a list of do's and don'ts. We've even made it just about, hey, be the best person you can possibly be, work extra hard, and you might get into heaven one day. Hopefully you won't go to hell. That's what we've made it about. But it's so much more than that. Because the thing that scares me the most is there are many, 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 many people in churches today that truly believe that they're Christians, yet they're not. There's many people who would claim to be Christians that know a lot about Jesus, but they don't personally know him in a relationship. Because there's a big difference between knowing a lot about somebody, like knowing a lot of facts about them. There's a difference in doing that and personally being in a relationship with somebody. And I don't want you to think this is coming from, hey, this is coming from the pastor. This is coming from someone who has it all together. I don't have it together at all. But the only reason I'm able to see this is through the grace of God in my own life. Because for the longest time, for the first 17 years of my life, I was headed down the same direction that I just mentioned. Grew up in church, literally came out of my mom's womb and I was in church. Like, I don't know any different. But for 17 years, tried to be the best that I could be, was in church anytime they had it open. And for so long, I made it about the things that I just mentioned. I did it because my parents did it. I did it because my grandparents did it. You know, I know what not to do and what to do. I'm a pretty good person, right? Like I can just be the best that I can be and I'll get into heaven. But, But through the grace of God, He was able to show me that that being a Christian is so much more, hey, it's it's not about, hey, you're a bad person who needs to be made good. Because of your sin, you're dead and you need to be made alive. And when we understand that, there's a change that begins to happen in and through our lives. There is a change that happens when we see the truth of Jesus that begins to change us from the inside out. And we see this all throughout scripture. Anytime someone has an encounter with Jesus, they do not walk away the same as they walked into that situation. There's a change. And one of the examples we're gonna see this morning in Luke 24, which to kick things off, the first change that we see when we see the truth of Jesus, when we see him as our Lord and Savior, him who came and lived and died and rose again for us so that we can have a relationship with him. Seeing the truth of Jesus changes how we see our circumstances. Seeing the truth of Jesus changes how we see our circumstances. And we see this from the very very first verse in Luke 24, starting in verse 13, it shows us this. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked them. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, And when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Now I know that's a lot, but what we see in there, we see these two men, they're coming from Jerusalem and they're going seven miles in another direction to this place called Emmaus. And on the surface, this all seems insignificant. Like reading this was like, what's the big deal? They just wanna to go to Emmaus, right? Like, does that matter? Well, yes, if we dig deeper, we can see that by them going to Emmaus, that gives us a clear picture of what their attitude and outlook was on life at this time. Because in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, we see a very clear picture in, in, in the Lord's Supper where Jesus looks at his disciples, he's talking to them and says very plainly, he's like, hey guys, I need your eyeballs, okay? Okay. I'm gonna die, okay? I'm gonna die. But then three days later, I'm gonna rise again. And then once I do that, let's meet in Galilee. Like Galilee was basically, you ever gone Christmas shopping at the mall and you're like, hey, we're gonna shop six o'clock, meet at the food court. Like food court is the meeting area, right? You've been there before? Galilee was the food court. But where are they not going? Galilee. Because if Emmaus is seven miles in this direction, Galilee is 80 miles in that direction. They're going the wrong way. And so what we see in that, in them going the wrong way, we can see their discouragement. They have completely given up on Jesus and their discouragement and disappointment is also showing the conversation that they're having. They're arguing with one another. They're discouraging one another. But then even more than that, with their response to Jesus, It shows their disappointment because I think Jesus is so funny here. He comes alongside him like he doesn't know what's going on. And he's like, hey guys, what are y'all talking about? Like he doesn't know that what just happened to him, right? And they're mad. They're like, are you serious? Have you been living under a rock? Like, how do you not know what just happened? And so they're upset, but their language, if you notice, their language is laced with so much past tense speech. Notice what they say. They say, we're talking about Jesus who was a prophet powerful in action and speech. They also say, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. And so in the mind of these two guys, the person and work of Jesus was something of the past. It was a wash. There was no possible way that this was gonna happen. And we see that this happened because they missed the truth of who Jesus was and what he was doing. And because of that, it changed the way that they saw their circumstances. And this is an important point because a wrong view of Jesus always leads to a wrong view of our circumstances. If we have a wrong view of who Jesus is, it's gonna lead to us having a wrong view of our circumstances. So if we have a view of Jesus, like he's our personal genie and he's gonna give us whatever we want if we come to him, well, what's gonna happen when he doesn't give us what we want? We're gonna be disappointed. If we have a view of Jesus as the proverbial old man who's sitting on the front porch saying, hey kids, get off my lawn. If if that's the way we view Jesus, then everything that's hard that we go through, we're gonna see it as a punishment. But if we see Jesus as our loving savior and king, then it allows us to see all the different situations, good or bad, through the lens of his truth. We might, we might. it doesn't matter what we're going through. We might, this morning for you, it might be that you have a spouse who's been unfaithful. You might have a sin that you're battling that nobody knows about. Parents, you might have a child who's rebelling against you guys. It it, it might be you got a diagnosis that you didn't want or you you didn't get the job that you want or you got laid off from the job that that you had. Heck, you might be even going through a global pandemic. I don't know if that one hits close to home right now or not, Um, but, but whatever we go through, we can know that if we have a right view of Jesus in the way of who he is and what he's done, then it allows us to see whatever we go through, he is working all things for our good And for his glory, he's working everything that we go through so that we may know him more and look like him more, but also so others may know him through us, that his name may be known. And so seeing the truth of Jesus, yes, it it doesn't change our circumstances, but it does change the way that we see our circumstances. And not only that, but secondly, we see that seeing the truth of Jesus changes how we see the Bible, and we see this fleshed out starting back in verse 25, where Jesus said to them, "'How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures.'" They came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And so we see Jesus respond to their original response to his first question, kind of with the same attitude. And rightfully so, they're just like, okay, how did I miss it? How did you guys miss it? Like, I plainly told you what I was going to do. Like, how do y'all not get what I had to do, what I had to accomplish so that you could have the relationship with God that you were created to have? How have you missed it? And to show them the truth, he took them to a place they would have been super familiar with, the Bible. And and if, if... you know, these two men would have known a lot about the Bible. They would have been super familiar with the Bible, but knowing a lot about the Bible, we see this, knowing a lot about the Bible, having a lot of knowledge is not enough. Because they had a lot of knowledge, but they missed the entire point of it all. And I think, again, if we were to look in the church at large today, the same could be said about us. Because in our world, there are a number of differing, differing views on the Bible. Some see it as just another book. Some see it as fiction. Some see it as historical. Some see it as a book of rules. Some people see it as completely irrelevant to our lives. And even in the church, most of us, we would even say like, hey, the the Bible is God's word, is the very word of God. But I would challenge us that our attitude a lot of the time when we go to God's word is wrong. We have a wrong attitude when we come because our view of the Bible has become nothing more than just a means of behavior modification. Just a means like, hey, if you get into the Bible, we'll become better people. We'll become better versions of ourselves. Like we've, we've almost limited, a lot of the time we take scripture and use it in the same way my parents used to use vegetables to get me to do stuff. Y'all remember that? I don't know if you had parents or your parents that did that. It's like hey, Jordan, you wanna, you wanna have dessert? You better eat your vegetables. Hey, you wanna watch that TV show that comes on tonight? Better eat your vegetables, right? And in the same way, we used to, hey, you wanna be a good person? Better read the Bible. Hey, do you wanna do great things in your life? Better get in the word. And we've limited it to nothing more than just becoming better people. But here's what we need to see this morning. You do not need to be made better. And this is what I need a reminder of for myself. I don't need to be made better. We together do not need to be made better. We need to be made brand new. And what I mean by that is the gospel again is not, hey, you're bad, you need to be made good. No, it's, because of your sin, you're dead and you need to be made alive. And the only way that you can be made alive is through the person and work of Jesus that every part of scripture, Genesis to Revelation is pointing to. And this is what Jesus is doing. He does this with the scripture. He opens it up and he's like, hey, starting with Genesis. Hey, Genesis, that's me. Exodus, that's me. Leviticus. Yes, Cleopas, even Leviticus. I know every year you go and do the Bible in a year plan and you get to Leviticus and you're like, I'm out, right? But that's me. And so on and so on and so on. He's pointing them to himself, not to make them better versions of themselves, but to make them brand new. And that's what God does through his word. When we read it, it's not to be better people but it's to be made brand new so that we may look more like him to the world desperately in need of him. And that leads me to my last point. Seeing the truth of Jesus, yes, it changes how we see our circumstances. Yes, it changes how we see the Bible. But lastly, seeing the truth of Jesus changes how we see others. And we see in this passage, Jesus gets done teaching, or teaching these guys. They're on the road and it starts to get dark. And they're like, hey, it's too dark. We need to go inside. We're gonna stay at this place. Hey, come hang out with us for the night. Let's eat dinner. And Jesus is like, okay, that's fine. So they sit down for dinner and Jesus breaks the bread, which would have been a common practice to give Thanksgiving for the meal. He breaks the bread, gives it to them. And the scripture tells us at that moment, the light bulb went off and they realized it was Jesus. And when they realized it was Jesus, he was gone. It's pretty crazy, right? But what's interesting that we see in this passage is their response to having their eyes open to Jesus and who he was. Because earlier they were saying, hey, like it's too dark. Like we don't need to go anymore. We've already been traveling. But their response, when they see Jesus for who he is, they get up right then and there. And they're like, we're going to tell everybody. We are telling the whole town what just happened. And that's crazy because if we think about it, that is an important action step for us. When we see the truth of Jesus, the truth of Jesus has come to you to go to somebody else. The truth of Jesus isn't to stay with you, it's to be shared through you. And through the truth of Jesus, it allows us to see our homes in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our jobs, in our communities, as our own personal mission fields. That the people that we live and learn and work with on a regular basis, they have not been placed around you on accident. They have been placed around you on purpose, for a purpose, so that the truth that you have seen about Jesus may be seen through you and to other people to use, he, he, he does this in a way where he uses the reality of our circumstances that we've gone through, the things that we've experienced. And, and he takes that with the truth of God's word that all of it points to him. And through doing so, the truth of Jesus is presented as the most important thing in our lives because we've first received it as the most important thing in our lives. And my hope for us this morning is that our lives would mirror that of Apostle Paul because Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses three through four. He says this, he says, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And what Paul is saying is he was able to deliver the truth of Jesus as first importance because he first received it daily as being most important. And that is the same thing for us. As Rick talked about last week, the most important thing that we can have in our lives, it will never be found in this world. It's not found in your salary. It's not found in your political party. It's not found in your possessions. It's not found on your social media feed. It's not even found in yourself. It is only found in the truth of Jesus. It is only found in who Jesus is, what he has done, and who he is calling us to be. That is the most important thing in our lives. And I believe that the greatest tragedy that any of us could ever experience in this life is not failure at anything that we try, but the greatest tragedy in my mind is that we succeed at everything we put our minds to and we get to the end of our lives and we realize we missed it. We get to the end of our lives and we did everything we set our minds to, but we missed the truth of Jesus. And so church this morning, let's not miss this. Let us not let this moment go by without our eyes being open to and being changed by the truth of Jesus, that that by God's grace that He would open our eyes to the truth of Jesus, so that we may be changed, and the world around us may be changed too. That it would change the way that we see our circumstances. That it will allow us to see them as, hey, God is behind the scenes, and He is working it all for my good and for His glory that it would change the way we see the Bible, that we wouldn't just see it as a book of rules or we wouldn't just see it as a means to be a better person, but we would open it up and live within its pages so that we may see Jesus clearly and we may be made more like him. And my hope and my prayer for us is that it would change the way we see others, that the truth that we see and we've experienced and we have received as most importance would be seen through us and presented through our lives as being most important. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes. God, I know for us that a lot of us have grown up in church and in this type of people where it's easy to just allow it to go through one ear and out the other. But God, I pray this morning that everybody in this room would see you clearly, including myself. God, that we wouldn't let this moment pass thinking about something we have going on this week or thinking about something that happened in the past week. But God, we would sit in the reality that you are not a God who has left us in our sin but instead you sent your son to come and live the life that you created us to have perfectly, to die the death that we deserved for our sins and defeating sin and death once and for all so that we may have freedom and life in you. And so God, I pray that we would realize this morning as long as we have breath in our lungs, and our heart is beating. We still have work to do, and you still have work to do in us. You are not done, we are not done. And so God, this morning, I pray that through the truth of Jesus, that you would change the way we see our circumstances that you would change the way we see the good and bad things that have happened in our lives, that you're, you're not just doing them to punish us or to do whatever to us, but you're working them all for your glory and for our good. And God, you would change the way we see your word. God, that we would be people of your word so that we may look more like Jesus to the world around us. And that we would see the places you have placed each and every one of us as our own personal mission fields so that the truth of you, of who you are, of what you've done, of who you've called us to be may be seen by everybody. Lord, we love you and we pray all of this in your name. Amen.